Ladies and gentlemen, we now ask for your complete attention. If you want to sing, laugh, clap, cry, yawn, boo, or fart, please do it in your head, and only in your head. You are now kindly requested to keep silent and to hold your breath until the very end of the podcast. Breathing will not be tolerated during the podcast. So, please take a deep, last breath right now. Thank you. And now, please enjoy another episode of Classic Movies Live, featuring your hosts, Pierre and Jeff. So, may we start? It's time to start My time to start They hope that it goes the way it's supposed to go There's fear in them all, but they can't let it show They're underprepared, but that may be enough The budget is large, but still, it's not enough So may we start Welcome back to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. Uh, today, as you just heard, we're going to be talking about the movie Annette. Uh, Pierre, tell us all about Baby Annette and this movie. I want to hear your thoughts like, on this. <laughs> wait, like, do you mean Annette herself? Like, I mean, or... well, I guess we'll get to that. Why don't you just tell? I, I want to hear your basic thoughts on this movie because that oh. was my first, my first thing when I was when I was listen, when I was watching this movie the first time, like. One of the first thoughts I had is, oh, man, I'll bet Pierre is going to have some very interesting thoughts on this. I want to hear what just, he's got to say. It, 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 felt like, it felt like the director watched a Disney music, like, or he watched musicals like his whole life, and he hated them a lot. And his parents made, but his parents forced, <laughs> was, his parents forced him to watch them. So then he grew up, he was like, I'm going to make a musical that is not fun, that is extremely long, that features kind of bad singing in, in some parts, or a lot of it, and, like, and features lots of like very depressing like murder and stuff like that. 
Um, and uh, yeah, and then he made this movie. If that makes sense. That is an interesting opinion. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna de- I'm gonna take apart every part of what you just said uh, over the oh course of this god. episode. <laughs> oh my but, god! Uh, I'm so scared. <laughs> This is this is not our normal recording time, so I'm sort of yeah, flustered we are. By, by that and also just by this movie. Like, I don't know how to talk about Every this. It reminds me. It reminds me a lot of. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things from last year, but not in that it's really that similar, just that it is like the same level of surreal. Yeah. Um. Well, maybe not the same level of surreal because I'm thinking of ending things as weird as hell, yeah. and this at least has like a linear plot. So yeah, well, I, well, what in what ways would you say this is surreal? You know, it takes a lot of artistic liberties, right? But like in terms of like, if you compare it to like another, I don't know, because like you said, the plot's linear. It's not like it's really psychedelic, if that makes sense. It's just like there, there's some weird, there's some very interesting decisions made that I never would have thought to happen. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I don't know. Well, I guess we, we should like, can you give us like a general outline of the movie first? Yeah. So like, honestly, this movie's, this movie's plot is very linear, but it's so much, it's, I'm going to describe it, but I feel like just describing it doesn't do it justice because it's, it's like, it comes across so freaking weird. Um, but anyway, the this movie is about a guy named Henry McHenry and Anne DeFrenay, I think. I forget how to pronounce her name. Uh, and actually, I forget how her name is spelled. I could probably pronounce it if I looked at it, but I'm not going to deal with that. Anyway, uh, one of them is a comedian. Uh, Adam Driver's character, Henry, he's a comedian, and he gets married. And he falls in love with and gets married to Anne, who is an opera singer. And they both have, like... Uh, they're they're both at the top of their careers, and then um, pretty early on, they have a child who is called Baby Annette. And uh, after they have this child, Baby Annette, uh, Henry's career starts to tank because he's a comedian, and your career is going to have ups and downs. And so they sort of go through marital strife, and that eventually ends in tragedy. And like. I guess here's your final spoiler warning, you know, two minutes in, uh, Anne dies. And um, then after that, Henry finds out that Annette can really sing and uh, tours the world with her and exploits her for money. And like, that's that's the basic plot summary. Um, I feel like it's not... It's hard. I, I I hope this makes sense. I feel like the movie's not really about that plot, but that is the plot of the movie. Did yeah. I miss anything really important? We're probably going to go over yeah. a bunch of like details about it later. So like, yeah, no, that sounds about right. So like, okay. I guess well, when I say wait, did I did I say grounded? Did I call the movie grounded? I can't remember. If I, I said that on the podcast here. You have not said that yet. Oh okay, but yeah, it feels because like okay, I want to explain my thoughts of because like. Grounded is like I, I mean grounded in terms of like uh like this movie obviously has a lot of very fictional elements to it, such as mm-hmm. Annette literally being a puppet. <laughs> oh, um, I guess I didn't mention that part. Annette is a puppet. Yeah, yeah. 
and which is like I guess a metaphor, sort of. Um, yeah. I mean, or a very maybe a not so subtle metaphor. Um, but like it, it's it's like it takes it takes like um the idea of someone having a great voice, for example, like in a musical, like a lot of people have great voices, but this, they're like, oh my god, baby Annette has an amazing voice, a supernatural voice. Let's use it to exploit her and make a lot of money, which is like, I guess, metaphorical for like, I don't know, Hollywood or like the music industry, I guess. So it's like uh, grounded in that way, maybe. Mm-hmm. But like, also, you know, not because again, Annette is not a real person. For This movie, so like, when I was saying earlier that this movie is very surreal, I, uh, oh, I definitely think that. But like, um, when I compared it to, I, I'm thinking of ending things. Like, and I'm thinking of ending things, the surrealism comes from just like weird images. Nothing's quite right. You can't really tell where he is at any point or like uh, what the timeline is at all. And in this one, I mean, there's a linear story, but the world is just so weird to me because the world is clearly our world. It's very close to it. But like when Henry is doing his uh, stand-up shows, his audience is just straight up the chorus, like in a, in a musical, in a musical, yeah. they're the chorus. And like, it feels so unnatural the way that he interacts with his audience, even though it's like, sort of a metaphor for well in this case it's just like it's it's not a metaphor i guess but in this case it's just like in 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 this musical world this is how a comedian would interact with his with his audience but like it just feels so weird and unnatural and like uh there's news segments in this show or in this movie a lot that like are you know like entertainment tonight or something e whatever uh, and they all really care about a failing stand-up comedian and an opera singer, which I just feel like wouldn't happen, at least not in the States. Maybe in, like, I, I can't imagine an opera singer being, <laughs> like, I can't imagine an opera singer and com- and a comedian being, like, Benefer, if you know what yeah. I mean. Yeah. And, um, and like, it just everything is weirdly exaggerated in the strangest ways. Which is why this world feel the the whole world feels like very uncanny valley to me. Weirdly enough, not even Annette, who is a puppet, fits in the uncanny valley for me. It's like the entire world and not this puppet. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's like it's like when the people are singing. It's more. It feels more like not scary, but I just feel very uncomfortable. If that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. Exactly. Like they're almost like they're like zombie like singing zombies or something like that Mm -hmm. um and it's yeah that's why that's why i mean what i mean when i say it's like someone it's like a guy that hates musicals or something because it's like he's taking all the most annoying parts of musicals and then shoving them down your throat if that makes sense i'm gonna see if maybe i can get more songs for this because like i want to include at some point for for our listeners the audience uh the audience like singing at henry because it is the weirdest thing it's so unnerving yeah and then um, also like the songs aren't at least from what i remember the songs aren't really like catchy or anything right there's like, there's a few like i i listened to the soundtrack album for this afterwards and like hmm. i would say the soundtrack album has like two or three real bangers on it but most of the most of them like 
Okay, this is so strange. I, every time I want to say something about this movie, I have like a bunch to say. So, soundtrack. This movie was written by the band Sparks, who wrote all of the music for it, and also the screenplay, and also the story. I don't know that much about Sparks. I know that I like them a little bit, but I haven't actually heard very much of their stuff. Yeah. But like this movie to me came across a lot like a rock opera, which um, at least as I understand it, uh, I'm not, I'm not trying to be patronizing by explaining what a rock opera is, (laughs) but like a lot of bands will make basically musicals, but like with no intention to be a musical, just that there's a plot going through. So they'll be like, so the songs will be at the very least loosely connected, but they'll tell like a whole story. Like if you've ever heard, uh, if you've ever heard American Idiot, like that became a musical. So maybe that's a bad example. But like, if you just listen to American Idiot, it's telling like one story from start to finish. Yeah. And, um, but the, the point of, like a rock opera isn't necessarily written like a musical. It's mostly written, it's written as an album first. And then if there's musical elements, they come later. And that's what this felt like is like, it's written as an album. So it's got like 10 songs on it that tell that story. But then when it is translated over to a musical, it feels weirdly disjointed. And even though I thought it mostly worked here, it doesn't feel like, um, for example, what's a good example of another musical? I am blanking on every musical that I could think of right now. But like, oh, like it, greatest showman or something. Yeah, it it doesn't feel this. It doesn't feel like it was written the same way as the greatest showman was because I don't think it was written that way because this was written like by a band as an album first is the impression I get where The Greatest Showman is, like, written as a musical. So, like, the musical elements of this, for example, like, the, the talking in between, the um, actual character introductions that happen, any of them that happen outside of songs, like, all of that isn't shoehorned in, but kind of seems shoehorned in a little bit, if that makes sense. Like, it's very deliberate. It's clearly supposed to be there, yeah. but, like, it doesn't necessarily gel with the songs the way that it could. Yeah, which I think kind of adds to the like the off-putting it, vibe. If that makes I was sense. gonna say, I don't think that's a bad thing here because this movie feels unnatural and unnerving, but it feels like it's supposed to be that. Yeah. So, at the very least, like when it feels disjointed, I don't say that in a way of like it shouldn't feel disjointed. I think it's one of this movie's greatest strengths that it's so weird. Yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Well, I, that's what makes it unique, right? Cause I don't, obviously yeah. I don't think, I don't think they, like if they just made a straight up, like, like the greatest showman type musical, but featured like all this really dark shit, you know, that like, <laughs> it, it wouldn't like, it wouldn't be anything new. Right. And probably be mm-hmm. really boring because, it's very obvious that I think they didn't want want to make an actual like or a traditional musical. So, well, this movie also absolutely would not work as a stage musical. I really want to see someone try it, but like the sets are pretty abstract, actually, and like yeah. there's too many of them. The way that like uh, the way that people interact in this movie would require sets that aren't necessarily fleshed out, but like would be too big 
for example, like the audience is the chorus. You can't really make a mus a traditional musical set where someone is on stage and the audience is the chorus and the audience is doing all the singing because yeah. you would need to have an audience that's all you'd have to have your actual audience. Then you'd have to have a fake audience on stage. Then you'd have to have another stage at which point, like that's just the first example that pops out at me, but like, it would just be, it would just be really cumbersome at best to try and actually stage this. Yeah. Yeah. I also like the performances, like in terms of like, on, on, like what, when Adam Sand or no, what's his name? Adam Driver. Adam Driver. Adam How do you forget Sanders. Adam Driver's right That's name, my dude? Bad. <laughs> Adam Driver. Isn't he like your favorite actor? I know, bro. I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm trying. Uh, Adam Driver, who plays the stand-up comedian, I guess. I like. It was interesting how because the it's, this performances were like really long, right? Like not long, but like because I feel like like in a lot of movies or something, you just kind of maybe show one or two jokes, right? Mm -hmm. But like it was like I want to say the first one was like almost like four or five straight minutes. So he was a headliner, and a headliner at a comedy show would normally actually get like an hour. Yeah. But uh, that was a full comedy set. Like that's that's an opener comedy set. But it's the, he they were showing full sets. Yeah, that also kind of made me feel uncomfortable. <laughs> that makes <laughs> like it, it felt too. Like, it was too long. Like, for example, I haven't seen this scene, actually, but I heard there's this this scene. Have you? Do you know Ghost Story by... I, I uh, haven't seen it. Uh, David Lowry. David Lowry, yeah. Well, apparently, there's a scene where the movie, like, just watches uh, one of the actresses eat a pie for, like, five minutes straight. Oh, and that just... sounds like fetish stuff. Yeah, I don't know. But it, obviously, <laughs> it just makes people uncomfortable because it's, like, mm. usually in a movie... You like I feel like if you've seen enough movies, there feels there, there's like a natural you 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 get a sense for like a natural pacing of things. Mm -hmm. um, they're like what's natural in a movie? Like watching a, someone eat a pie for five minutes is not natural. Watching just a straight up comedy set for like five minutes in a movie, while not as weird, still felt like unnatural to me. If that makes sense, like I feel yeah. like usually they just show like a montage of things, or like maybe they show like one or two jokes and then cut to the next scene once you get the idea. Um, yeah. But it felt very well, like, raw, if that makes sense. Exactly. And like, um, also it sort of helps, it sort of helped here, or I guess made more uncomfortable by the fact that his comedy scenes are like, they're actual songs from the movie. Cause like his first one, his first comedy scene is, man, I got to pull up Spotify for this too. His first comedy show is like an entire that's his intro song which i keep thinking is called laugh 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 but i don't think it is It might be actually. It might be just called Laugh 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 because it's not on the soundtrack. But then his second one is called You Used to Laugh and it says it's only two minutes and thirteen seconds on the soundtrack. I do not think that the scene is only two minutes and thirteen seconds. It goes on for so long. You used to laugh. But now you sure and laugh and no more used to laugh. But now you sure and laugh and me no more. It's your problem. It's your fucking problem. 
problem. Fucking problem. You think I care? You think I care what you all think of me now? You think I care? You think I care what you wimps think of me now? What's your problem? What's your fucking problem? What's your problem? Your fucking problem? My dear partner, my dear partner, you fucking headless beast, you make me sick. You ruthless, unpredictable beast, it's your problem. Fuck, it's not my problem. It's one of the biggest bangers on the album, but like it goes on for so long and it's so uncomfortable. Yeah. So like, and I mean, that's just, that's the thing is like a lot of this movie is just uncomfortable. It's like, well, it's like they're, they're really going out of their way to make you uncomfortable, you know, like it's unnecessary. Like it's, it's weird watching a movie where it's like, it feels like it's the director's primary goal to make you like, uh, I don't want to be watching this movie. I don't want to I don't want to distract from this too much but this does kind of lead into another point that I actually sure. don't know if we want to get to right away but I was going to say uh do you want to talk about the characters in this movie because I think what we've been talking about is going to like lead into talking about one of the characters which is going sure. to take up the entire rest of the airtime but I wanted to know like, like the acting or like just the characters uh, themselves I wanted to say just the characters themselves, but even the acting, that might actually yeah. be an interesting thing to sidestep to real quick. Yeah. Well, obviously we have Adam Dwight, who is one of my favorite actors. Um, yeah. As the lead role. I can't remember the names. Henry McHenry. Wow. Henry McHenry. <laughs> I should have remembered that. <laughs> yeah, Henry McHenry. Uh, I, he, it was very interesting. Like, okay, I'm not going to lie. I, I don't know what you thought about it, but I don't think Adam Driver can think. Like, can you say uh, that again? I don't think he can sing very well. Um, uh, he's okay, I guess. He like, he I, did exactly what the movie needed him to. Yeah, the movie did I, not require a good singer; it required a specific singer. Mm -hmm. um, this movie, yeah, I think having bad singing. I mean, obviously, I don't like not great singing, but like it does again make the movie feel more raw and feel more weird. Um, so yeah, and Adam Driver is also like a very odd person to choose as a leading role in a musical, especially um, the way he plays it. Yeah, on on the note of the singing, I like it makes a lot more sense here as a choice for two main reasons. One, uh, as opposed to La La Land, neither of these people—well, not neither of these people—but Adam Driver isn't a character who, in universe would have to be able to sing um, because That's like true, yeah. in, in La La Land, they're both people who realistically should be singing in universe, you know, not necessarily every time that they're singing, but like they are yeah. people who, who are at least tangentially related to the music industry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, in this one, like Adam driver is not that, but it also makes a lot more sense when, I consider, or when you consider this as like being written as an album first by a rock band and then being turned into a musical, because I'm just thinking of like a bunch of rock bands. Uh, a lot of rock bands I like, like 
that you don't need someone who's a really good singer with a beautiful voice in your rock band. You need someone who fits the music. And yeah. like, that is exactly what, like Adam Driver fits that role in this pretty well. Cause he's, he doesn't have a, you know, he's got a nice voice. I don't think it's a really nice voice when he's singing. Like it doesn't, it's, it's not like he, he's not going to be singing opera anytime soon, but he doesn't need to be because he fits the music really well. Mm. Yeah, and also I guess it'd be weird if he had a beautiful voice when like murdering someone. <laughs> like, well, also just... he's like he's kind of the piece of shit character, which we'll get <laughs> yeah. to shortly because this is the guy I was talking about. I will talk about Adam Driver's character in this probably for the next hour once we get to it. Um, but yeah, no, he was. He, I thought Adam Driver was was really great. Um, mm-hmm. very, I guess. Um. Not naturally. I, I'm. Ha- I think it's. This is definitely a role he would want to do. Definitely yeah. seems like he likes to take risks and stuff. So I'm happy to see that from him. I guess not. Obviously, not one of my favorite roles from him because like, it just felt very weird to me. But um, but yeah, he did great. Marion Cotillard. Cotillard. I uh, think so. Yeah, cause she's French. I think. Uh, what do you mm-hmm. think of her? I thought she was done dirty in this movie because mm-hmm. like. Her character has very little to do and ex- and essentially exists to drive the plot of Adam Driver's character forward, which I think is really sad because Marion Cotillard is such a good actor and like she does it really well here and she actually can sing because um, she has a musical past. I think she has like albums that she's released, um, but like... She just doesn't really get much in this movie. And it's, it's a shame because her scenes, the scenes with her character, I think are the most surreal in interesting ways. Like uh, her introduction scene, she's moving between set pieces in a way that does not make any sense. And it's really cool. But, um, but like she just, she has like two songs that are, or two or three songs that are really melancholy, but very similar. Uh, as a character, she has like a brief characterization, and then I guess she, and then she dies. And like when she's a ghost, she doesn't have anything to do. She's just sort of like always there, and it sucks because she could be doing so much more, but they don't give her more to do. Yeah, she was her character was basically a plot device, mm-hmm. um, which is unfortunate. But I guess also. But like ironically or unironically plays into like the themes of the movie if that makes oh, it, sense. not even unironically like it's definitely intentionally playing yeah. into the themes of the movie yeah but yeah she was she was solid i i don't know if i've ever seen like a marion cotillard role that i thought was amazing if that makes sense they um, exist. I know that our friend I'm Felipe sh- keeps trying to tell it keeps trying to get us to watch the movie uh what's it called? La Vie and Rose. Mm. That's like one of his favorite movies and yeah, um, we we should watch it. It's uh I I not necessarily for the podcast, maybe now that we've mentioned it, but like uh it's it's got that's her like premiere performance. That's why that's the one oh. where one really loves her. I think she might have been nominated for an Oscar for that one. Oh wow! I had no idea. Um, and that's one where she sings, also. Yeah. Um. But yeah, no. She was like, I guess she was like, 
she she did good with what she was given, if that makes sense. Like her, she has a very interesting screen presence to me, because like I wouldn't say she's naturally charismatic, but like she has a certain amount of screen presence, but in like a weird way. Like I don't know, like in Inception, for example, like. I feel like her scenes, like she's she's not someone you really like in Inception, right? But she's very memorable, just because of the way she talks and acts. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I guess. Kind of. Okay. Yeah. She's memorable because of the because of her presence and natural charisma, but like not because of anything about her character. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah. Uh, also, the guy from uh, Big Bang Theory was in, yes, was so the, the sex pest from Big Bang Theory. <laughs> I haven't seen Big Bang Theory in so long, but I thought it was so funny to see this like this guy specifically. I I, I don't also, think I've ever seen him in anything else. When I think about it, I so I have uh, since learned that he has been in other movies that I've seen, and I just didn't realize it. But like this is the first. This is definitely. I think this will become his breakout role. That is not Big Bang Theory. If in the future he becomes a big movie star, people are going to be like, you know what? He was in a net. That was probably like his first big role. I don't know yeah. that that's necessarily going to happen. But I think this is the one where if people don't know him for Big Bang Theory, this is what people are going to know him for. Yeah. Well, yeah, he hasn't been doing much lately. But yeah, no, he was very. He was like, awesome. He knocked cool, it out man. of the park. Especially, like, I, I, I thought the way he was able to transition from... Because we see him earlier in the movie, right? When yeah. He was, you know, more sane. <laughs> and then, like, we, we see him again later where he is obviously kind of a shell of his former self. Mm-hmm. Uh, and slightly deranged, you know? It's um, interesting because, like, he only really has two or he's not in the movie for very long if you actually look about it. But if mm-hmm. you actually think about it, but he's such a presence because he's got like he's actually only got two real songs, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one is called I'm an Accompanist, which, like, I'm an accompanist, I'm an accompanist, I'm an accompanist for Anne, for Anne. Anne's the one with the genius, the grace. I'm the one with the technical expertise. Ah, the tease. Ah, the tease. I think his <laughs> songs actually do him really dirty. <laughs> but like, his first song is called I'm an Accompanist. His second one is not on the album, but it's just where he's, he's now graduated to being a conductor for the, lo- for the Los Angeles Symphony Orchestra. And he's just quickly delivering exposition while uh, conducting the orchestra, and it is the best scene in the movie. Yeah, you know the scene I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like good to tie in. I, you know, like it's really smart to tie an exposition with when when you have something else going on because then you don't really notice you're being mm-hmm. spoon fed information. So yeah, stuff like that's really smart. I like the uh, I like that. But yeah, I don't know. I guess he was like well. I, for some reason, to me, he felt like a very welcoming presence just because of how dark the movie is, if that makes sense. He felt like a beacon. Like, even though I don't like Big Bang Theory, just seeing like a comedic actor, I guess, in this movie was like, oh, I feel like slightly happier now. I get um, what you're saying, but it's super weird considering his character is like not the darkest in this movie, but his character is also pretty dark. He doesn't do anything bad. He just like is constantly depressed and his life sucks and he hates it. And like, 
he doesn't portray that in a funny way. He just seems, by contrast to everyone else, like the single ray of hope. Yeah, exactly. Because, again, it's... I mean, the only other ray of hope would be, like, Annette, I guess, but she's a puppet, and also her she's, life is depressing as hell. Yeah, she's, like, the, the purpose... Like, as part of the themes of the movie, she is not a character. Exactly, yeah. Again, I guess fits into the themes of the movies um, do you like that metaphor actually like, do you think that's too on the nose the the puppet thing no i think this movie actually like this so this movie is pretty interesting i guess because uh if i if, if if we're talking about the themes now like this movie um i find that the the songs are so exposition heavy like to the point where i i think I think the low point of the songs lyrically are the songs I'm an accompanist and we love each other so much. And like those songs are actually fine. There's nothing wrong with them, but they're so heavy on exposition because I'm an accompanist is just Simon Helberg talking about like he's just delivering exposition about who his character is, what his relationship is to everybody and uh, why we should care. And we love each other so much is literally just two min- three minutes of Adam Driver and Marion Cotillard telling us how much they love each other and not showing even a little bit of it. This movie is extremely on the nose in its lyrics, mm-hmm. but I think <laughs> yeah. that like, so this, this is where I praise the director. This movie could not have worked without Leo's, Leo's Carex as a director. And I say that without really knowing too much about Leos Carrick's act outside of this movie. Sparks, when they wrote the lyrics, are extremely literal. Like, this, they, I don't know if this, I don't know what their intention is necessarily, but all of their movie, uh, not all of their movies, all their songs in this are so on the nose and have so much exposition in them that, like, if the director wasn't able to balance that out with just weird, surreal imagery that makes it, like, oh, there's exposition going on, but there's actually a lot of interesting stuff to look at as well, and th- that makes everything more interesting by association. I don't think this movie would have worked. Does that make sense? Sort of. Well, when you say... Because, like, there's also a lot of... A lot of the music's just, like, also just kind of describing how they're feeling at that exact... Uh, wait, are we doing spoilers? Yeah, yeah, we've been Define? in spoilers for the entire yeah, okay, time. Yeah, okay, Oh, never mind. Like, the... The 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 scene where Adam Dr- or Henry McHenry murders or not so murders sort of his wife That's technically it, murder at the very least it was he neglectfully let her fall off the boat and he was the person that had like created that situation yeah okay it's it's not really clear through the staging like did he intentionally kill her or not but but yeah like in that scene. They're basically just like having a conversation, but it's slightly musical, if that makes sense. Yeah. In, in terms of like, she's trying to like not die, and he is very uh, fucked up at the time. So, mm-hmm. yeah. He's not that drunk. I'm not that drunk. I'm not that drunk. Oh. No, no, he, he is, but the lyrics oh, are, I'm not I that see. drunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's like repeating, I'm not drunk. I'm not. Drunk. <laughs> that was kind of yeah. funny, honestly. Um, but yeah. I don't know. Where were we? So uh, I think we were talking about the themes and like the, oh, the okay. over the like 
over explaining. So this movie is like not not subtly, but a little more subtly than it could be. Barely, I guess. This is literally just all Henry's perspective. Like, I don't think even the scenes that don't happen where like even the scenes where Henry is not technically in the shot, I'm pretty sure even those are all from Henry's perspective. So like the what I get from um the music being overly literal and um going into so much exposition is I kind of think Henry's a little bit of a simpleton and like needs to process all of this stuff through you know, over explaining it to himself. And that's why so much of these songs are over explained and overly okay. literal, because I think this is, Hen- I think what we are seeing is Henry's view of the world, which also kind of explains the weirdest elements of this movie. Like the fact that there's a, that there's a celebrity gossip site that cares about him and an opera singer. He is famous and his wife, Anne, is famous. So in his mind, the world literally revolves around them, even to other people. So that's why that comes up. Annette being a puppet, he doesn't even see her as a human being. He just sees her as something to be manipulated for his monetary gain. So like, I think that's where the surreal elements of this come up or like how they play into it, because this is all from Henry's perspective. Yeah, and obviously Henry is not... (laughs) <laughs> yeah and, and a very he's not a good person <laughs> yeah, and not a good person in general so yeah and um, like that's why i'm that's why i think when you you asked earlier like you asked something about the metaphor earlier and like i think the metaphor the metaphor is very on the nose and it's very obvious like it's very obvious what in this movie is metaphors i i don't know that i would say that it's exactly obvious what the metaphor is I think it's at least subtle enough that I don't know if I, it, it can be interpreted as to like the point of the, the point of the metaphor can be interpreted a couple of different ways. And like, that's, that's my interpretation is that this is literally just all in Henry's head and like, not in the way of he's imagining everything. It's a dream. Just like we are seeing the world the way yeah. he sees the world. Yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. No, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Except for like, would you say maybe the end is like, when like it's like his perspective is shattered or something like that a little bit yeah because um, that's because that's that, when he has like to realize that realistic portion of the movie if that makes sense like it's where maybe, he kind of has to come to terms with the fact that he's been being a bit of a dingus the entire time yeah and uh kind i guess gets his just desserts for it mm-hmm. uh, so yeah it was a. Uh, I don't know. Anybody played it? Like, Adam Driver played it really... Because I feel like this, it would have been very easy to just kind of, like, play this really stupidly. But Adam Driver uh-huh. has this, like, natural intensity to, like, his acting that, like, I think really balances out, like, the absurdity of the character, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, You know, like, especially when you put him beside, like, what, Simon Helberg, <laughs> the accompanist. Mm-hmm. Um it really highlights how intimidating he actually is despite his character kind of being... Oh, he's terrifying in this. Yeah, right? Um, it's so weird because he's such a naturally charismatic actor that in, the, in, most, like, in most movies I've seen him in, uh, that is used to make him likable. Like, mm-hmm. even in Star Wars, he's the bad guy, 
but his natural charisma is used yeah. like they use that to make you sort of if like. not sympathize with him at least like want to buy his toy <laughs> uh but like in this movie um he's you know they use the fact that he's really tall and really naturally charismatic to make him extremely intimidating like he uh he just towers over everyone else and the way the thing that i found the weirdest is in every scene that he's in or not in every scene, but in so many of his scenes, someone else will be around, like whoever else he's doing the scene with, will be around doing whatever they're doing, and he'll like sneak in from the side. And at the early on, it's portrayed as like him just being kind of a goof, um, like with his with his wife uh, in the scene "We Love Each Other" so where they sing "We Love Each Other" so much. She starts walking towards the forest, and he comes up a little bit behind her, uh, just like kind of sneaks in on her and then like grabs her, uh, grabs her around the shoulder and hugs her. And then they start singing. Um, but like, he's never the first one on the scene. They always make him sort of slink in, which later on when he actually is sneaking around and he's trying to be, you know, villainous, it makes it come across so much easier because he's already been doing this the entire time. And you know that he's really good at it and just kind of a general creep anyway. Yeah. Speaking of kind of creepy, the the, the musical sex scenes was, was interesting to watch, I guess. Um, and also kind of uncomfortable. I don't know. Oh, very uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I never thought I'd watch Adam Driver singing while make while making extremely, like, I don't know. Because like, it was just, like, very... Like, I don't even know how to say it. Just like, like it wasn't like cinematic sex, if that makes sense. Like, it was just very yeah. like, place a camera and they're just kind of awkwardly going at it while singing. Uh, yeah, that was. I, I don't know. I, I I guess I've never seen a musical like that. So, or involve a scene like that. So yeah, that was that was cool. I don't know. What do you think of like Annette herself? We haven't really talked about Annette much, right? There's not much to say about her. She is in this movie as a puppet, and like, I guess, I guess I can kind of springboard off of Annette. But uh, the female characters in this movie don't do anything. Like Marion Cotillard is given too little to do, and Annette is a puppet. And like, the point I think is that um, you know Henry uses them for his own gain. And again, this is a movie more about Henry than about anyone else. But every female character in this movie, with the singular exception not even no not even i was gonna say the only exception is the newscaster that's not ever shown but she just like narrates the transitions sometimes but even she is kind of fits into this every single female character exists to further henry's story in some way which works really well for henry but comes way at the expense of all the female characters including annette and with annette with annette like not only does it make sense with Annette, I think it's appropriate because the point of Annette is that, like, she isn't even her own person. Like, she's simply being used by the people around her and exploited for their gain. And I think that works even if this movie had more realized female characters. It is, like, the worst example in this movie of a female character having literally no agency. Yeah, well, yeah, it does really add to, uh, like, Annette's an extremely, like, tragic character, right? 
yeah. it's not even just like the dad manipulating her, but like like the mom, for example, is using her also using her as a revenge plot towards the dad, right? Yeah, like, it's I didn't not get out it. of like she didn't like give her voice to Annette out of love. It was more out of hatred for the father. Yeah, um, and actually, even before, um, even before she, I guess, quote unquote, gives her voice to Annette. She's still using Annette for her own gain because in that one scene that like seems like a pretty sweet scene between mother and daughter, to me it was very clear that Anne, who is Marianne uh, Cotillard's character, was living vicariously through Annette because she felt trapped. So she's like, oh, this baby gives me somewhat of an escape from my life that I don't really like right now. Mm -hmm. Which is a much, I guess, in a weird, this is a weird sentence, but it's a better way to exploit a child than <laughs> Henry. But like, it's still it's not still good. not good. It's still like using the child for your own gain rather than, you know, actually doing anything for the child. Yeah. Well, especially because, well, like, she knew that her having the voice would probably lead to an extremely abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. As well, right? Well, she she wouldn't have known about the voice at that point. Because I'm, oh, I'm talking yeah, about the very that, yeah. first scene with Annette. Yeah. Yeah, yeah sorry. I meant later. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Poor Annette, man. And I, I guess like the, the ending is honestly, I mean, it's tragic, but it's still kind of happy because, uh, again, very not very subtle with the, the, the metaphors or whatever, but uh, Adam Driver is now in prison and Annette is free and not a puppet anymore to do whatever she wants or. I mean, yeah, it's it's still tragic, but like at least Annette is not a puppet, and then I guess she becomes a real girl. Yeah, it's a real, yeah, it's very Pinocchio esque. So yeah, I don't know, but just like the like some of those like that, I'd say that that scene when when she is on the the stage that that was a really interesting stage, by the way, like that. Which, like which stage? Crystal. Sorry, the one where. Where she says, oh, like, my dad Welcome to the Hyperbowl halftime. Yeah. She says, my, no, my daddy kills people or something. And then it just fades mm. to black, right? That was, like... I mean, it was very confusing because it was just, like, like wait, where what's happening? Like, because it just fades out, right? You don't even see the reactions or anything right after. But, like, it was very... I don't know. It was, like, a beautiful moment in, like, a really mm-hmm. sad way, if that makes sense. Well, it's uh, the first time where Annette actually gets to do something. Yeah. Like, gets to do something that isn't dictated by someone else. Yeah, and it had, obviously, like, a huge effect on the plot, so. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that, I don't know, that was, Annette, Annette not, it wasn't performed by, or wasn't a real girl, but it, in that moment, she felt like a real girl. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that was cool. But yeah, you have any other characters? Like, I, 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 sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, if we're, if we're mostly done talking about the movie, what was the best song? Can you pick one? I can I, just, I, I can narrow it down to two. I just didn't like them. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I didn't I didn't think they were like yeah, I don't know. But I think that was the point. It just like really faded into the movie too. Mm. Um into like cuz it didn't feel like oh, we're starting like a new musical set to me. It just felt like very interweaved into the plot of the movie. I guess the first one was probably like the most Catchy, maybe because like everyone seemed kind of happy, but yeah, yeah, that was I, I was I was stealthily just trying to get us to talk about so may we start because that is a that's a great song yeah. that's my personal favorite song from a movie this year 
And like nothing else. There's one other song in this movie, I think, that comes close to being as good as So May We Start. Which one was it? You used to laugh. It's the one where he's like he has the meltdown on stage and he fights with the crowd. That song oh. is awesome. Oh, I see. Um, yeah, we'll see. Like when I was watching that scene, I was just thinking more of like the the plot. Like I don't know how to say it. Like it it just, it just felt like dialogue to me, right? Like a part of the yeah. movie. Um, rather yeah, than I guess. Like, um, we're starting. It's not like La La Land where you're just like, okay, the beat's starting, and then like like every the characters kind of because like in you know in musicals how like characters like transition into like their musical cells. If that makes sense. Yeah, there was none of this, but it was so weird the way that there was none of it. Because, like, if you've yeah. seen Hamilton, for example, Hamilton is sung through. There's never a point where the music, where the people aren't singing. They yeah. maybe, like, speak singing, but they're, not, they're always singing. Everything they're doing is part of a song. In this movie, it wasn't quite that, but it was so close to being that, that, like, it somehow didn't quite feel right with either of them because even with Hamilton like you can sort of split up the songs even though they're singing through with this one it's a lot harder to do that because they're not completely singing through like there's no clear delineation between a lot of the songs at no point are they like are they like or at very few points are they like all right we're starting a new song now because each song will transition into the other one and it's not into the other ones and it's not exactly clean but it's also not obvious where each song begins and ends Mm -hmm. well yeah because it's like it's like i think the point is like because like in a regular musical once the music starts you're like okay i'm suspending my belief this is kind of like how do i say like like the once the music starts it's like the movies it's like not a movie anymore if that makes sense it's like Mm -hmm. It's like a song, and then like so you you can get away with like the characters doing things that wouldn't really make sense in the real world, like singing randomly and like yeah. dancing with other people. Um, but yeah, this is just like I think like that's why it it just fits the vibe, you know. It, it makes it more like because the entire movie requires like like kind of suspension of belief, if that makes sense, and like. Well, uh, and uh, that's part of the reason why "So May We Start" is the best song in this musical. Because even though it has very little to do with the rest of the, of the story, because it's really just sort of, it's not tacked on, but it's just sort of a, it's, it's like a pop overture at the beginning. It, that is where, so may we start is a cool metaphor for now is the time when you should start suspending your, disbe- your, uh, oh. suspending your disbelief. Because oh, it starts with, um, it starts with, they're literally just a band in a studio and uh, Leos Carax, that's literally him on, on the camera says, all right, so may we start. And then they start into the, they launch into their song. And as their song is going, Sparks, the band gets up and like walks into the street and like brings out the entire cast of the movie. And then they say, you know, so may we start. And at that point, Everything after that, you need to suspend your disbelief because they are not going to give you clear. This is when you should suspend your disbelief moments. Yeah. This this is the entire rest of the movie is going to be at least a little bit surreal from now on. Yeah, yeah, and I think it works. Well, that's the thing. It's also like that that song. It, it's almost like <laughs> like a, a cinematic blue balling, if that makes sense. Because you're, I feel like you you see that first, and you're like. Oh, these are the types of songs I should expect in this movie. And then 
It's like the opposite of a tone setter, if that makes sense. Uh, uh, yes and no, because I think it sets the tone for the movie in the way that I just said, except mm -hmm. that, as you said, it's not similar to the other songs. So, like, yeah. it doesn't musically set the tone. I think it sets the tone, like, in terms of, in terms of like, cinematic content, maybe? But, like, even the way it sets the tone is a little abstract. Speaking of, like, was this, wait, so was this based off a, a play? No, no, this is, uh, this is... Purely original? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I noticed, like, a lot, I mean, this is probably on purpose, but yeah, a lot of, everything felt, like, uh, very set-made, if that makes sense. Like, yeah. obviously there were some outdoor shots, right? But, like, all the locate, like, all the sets felt very small. Uh, it, felt, it felt kind of like a, a movie that was shot from a stage play, if that makes sense. I like, heavily disagree. I do not really? think it felt like a movie from a stage play. Well, like, I, what... Because it didn't, it didn't feel like there was any, like, really grand big sets, if that makes sense. Um, I mean, there was the boat. Yeah, but I mean, like, it wasn't a huge boat. It was like, you, you could have you could have shot that. Like, it, this, this, like, to me, like, this could have easily been done as a stage play, if that makes sense. Like, there wasn't, like, a huge... No, it definitely could know. not have. This would really? not have worked as a stage play, not in my oh, opinion. Uh, okay. Um, because, like, the sets aren't necessarily big, huge sets, but I think that they're weird sets in ways that make them very difficult to stage. Because, I mean, I gave the example of the comedy club earlier. I just don't think that would work as a set the way it has to in oh. this movie. Sorry? That's fair. I guess, that, I guess stuff like that's confusing because it's like, that's also on stage. Yeah, sorry. Anyways, keep yeah. going. I the the other set is um the other set that I think is really strange and like wouldn't work on on a uh, on a stage is when Marion Cotillard's character Anne is doing her intro. She like passes through this very like she has this very elaborate stage setup and she like passes through it into the forest behind her house. You mm -hmm. could do that as a stage play. But like the cost benefit would be really horrible, honestly. Like it's, yeah. it would be weird. It would be hard to stage effectively. And if you finally did it, you would have that for one scene. And I guess it would be the coolest scene in the move in the stage play. But it would like not be cool enough. It wouldn't be the best song, and it wouldn't be cool enough to be to like explain why you even bothered. Yeah. Okay. I guess that's fair. So you, you do not see it an adapted. <laughs> I an adapted I really want. This. I really want someone to try it because I think it would be really interesting. But I don't see. I think it has a lot of. I, I think it has a lot of not issues, but things that would make it very difficult to stage to the point where, unless this movie does super super gangbusters, uh, and like becomes. Uh, a, a timeless classic for all for all ages. I don't think that this is ever going to be worth even trying to put as a stage play because I think it's it would be very difficult to do. Like you yeah. have to do a lot of adapting. That's fair. I mean, so may we start would be pretty easy to adapt because you just like show a band and eventually they go into the pit. I guess that could be yeah. pretty cool. But even that is like why. Why would you do that as a stage play? You could, yeah. I guess. That's probably the easiest one to stage as a stage play. But 
it, it feels like it would be very difficult to do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't see this being a huge hit, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, um, I mean, it's doing critic critically it's doing awesome but like i don't know how much money it made and it was straight to streaming so it's hard yeah. to say oh that's true it is hard to say um so yeah i don't i don't know like well what would you rate this movie overall it sounds like you really like it probably would give this one an extremely strong eight maybe a nine out of ten damn i'd give it like a seven maybe a six i don't know i I like what the movie's doing, and it feels very unique, right? And I, mm-hmm. I really respect the movie, if that makes sense. I, my respect's at, like, a nine. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, I would say that just, like, not really my type of movie. And, like, I, I think, well, a part of it is just, like, it just feels like the director's working. It's kind of like, what's, what's the other one you compared it to? The, I'm thinking of ending things. You yeah. Know? It's like the director's, like, fighting with me to, like, not enjoy it if that makes sense um fair enough which like i understand and like i respect that because it's like a ballsy choice to make a movie like this right Mm -hmm. um but of course him fighting you know him fighting to make me not like it makes me (laughs) not like it as much which the goal is achieved but um yeah this isn't like a movie yeah so what cost because this probably definitely isn't really a movie i want to watch through again it's it's very long too. It's like what? Well, relatively long for especially for like a musical, right? Like two hours, two hours and twenty, 20 minutes. minutes. Yeah, that's pretty long. I, I think you maybe you could have trimmed down on that because musicals are usually pretty short. No, uh, they can be. They don't have to be. Relatively short. The the longest, the only other longest one I can think of is like La La Land because it, but that doesn't even have that many songs. So when um, they're adapted as movies, musicals tend to be very short. But like on Broadway. Musicals are like three hours long. Oh well, yeah, yeah. Like I, I saw Hamilton. I mean, I didn't get through Hamilton, but I saw some of it. Uh, okay. I, I think like I'm sorry. I oh god, don't get me. No, that's okay. I, I like, I, I'm of, not going to uh, come watching. down on you for that, but like <laughs> people might. Yeah, that's fair. I will watch my back. Um, so yeah, I, I give it you know a seven. Interesting. Not necessarily enjoyable. Fair enough, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Oh, thanks. Um, so, uh, for our next episode, we have, and we have gotten the excellent opportunity to see a movie well before it comes out. I think it's is it at TIFF? I'm not. I think it's at TIFF. I don't think we're seeing it at TIFF. But we're gonna go watch the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Which, if we've played our cards right. If it if everything works out, we have to do one fewer best picture episode th- after we do that Ooh. episode. I hope I'm hoping that's the case. Very convenient me, for my my Oscar. Let me hype this. Let me hype this movie up some more so that we you know when we inevitably both really hate it, people are very confused. Of course. I wasn't actually going to hype it up more. Oh, rip. <laughs> I was like, okay, let's go. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, thank, thanks um, for listening. Uh, Jeff, what's the last word? Um, so may we stop. <laughs>